What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's edition of the Punch Drunk Predictions here on Keyboard Kimura. I am E. Spencer Kite, friendly neighborhood Spencer man, looking to tomorrow's fight card at the UFC Apex, UFC Vegas 76, headlined by Sean Strickland and Abbas Magomedov. As always, though, before we get to this week's picks, we look back to last week. UFC Jacksonville 6-6 six and six, with one no contest in the 13 fights. There were a couple of poor reads in there. The David Onama fight, I liked his power. I liked the athletic upside of him, as I said, during the week. He had a good performance, a very good performance to get that finish over Gabriel Santos. And then Chepe Marichal should have leaned on the experience, should have leaned on the more veteran, more seasoned, more polished fighter to go in despite short notice against Trevor Peak. Mateusz Rombetsky looked fantastic. Joshua Van surprised the hell out of me. As I said on Sunday on the takeaways, absolutely in on this kid for the next five years. Let's see where he gets to. Macy Barber, another one I got wrong, elevated her game by at least a level, if not two levels. Looked phenomenal against Amanda Hebos. Got that one completely wrong. And then the opener, Cedricus Dumas, defeating Cody Brundage, to me felt a lot more like Cody Brundage not really turning up than Cedricus Dumas doing a ton of good things. He certainly showed some improvement from his debut, but as we saw throughout that fight, each time Brundage went back to the corner, Mark Montoya got into him. It was as much about Brundage not turning up as it was Dumas really looking fantastic. So those are the ones I got wrong. Certainly we had some good reads in there that went well as also went in our favor as well. Jack Jenkins springing an upset split decision. Neil Magny getting a good win. Ilya Tapuria obviously landing on the right side of that one in the main event to close out the night is certainly a good one. But like I said, six and six with one no contest. It's not great for the year 124, 93 and three with two no contests for a 0.559 winning percentage. I mean, I say it every week. It's not where I want to be. I want to be better than this. I want to be doing better than 500 with a push on a 13 fight card. We get 12 to go through this week. I want to be putting up at least eight wins. I'd like to be putting up nine or 10 wins. Certainly, I would adore the opportunity to run the slate. That would make the betting show all that more impressive. And we'll get to the betting show here shortly this morning. But as I said, 124, 93, and three with two no contests. Not where I want to be. Want to get that up. And we're going to see if we can't do it here. UFC Vegas 76. Headlined, as I said, by a middleweight clash between Sean Strickland and Abbas Magomedov. And my pick here is Magomedov. I don't know that that's going to come as a some pr- surprise, excuse me, to many people. Because I've been I've been interested in this fight from the time it was announced. And, and I think even after picking against Magomedov, coming off a massive layoff when he walked out and kicked Dustin Stoltzfus in the face and, and beat him in 19 seconds. I think he's somebody that has more weapons and a more diverse approach. And I think that's going to be a thing that gives Sean Strickland a little bit of trouble. He has a slight reach advantage as much as Strickland is a sort of marauding kind of juggernaut guy that constantly comes forward and presses and presses and presses. That's going to open him up to some of those kicks. Some of those kicks that we saw against Dustin Stoltzfus, primarily that front kick up the middle, to the body, to the head. Some longer range attacks. Sean Strickland fights very square. I think there's opportunities 
for takedowns if Magomedov wants to take this to the ground. And I think this is one where he, where Magomedov shows us that he is of this level, that he is of this top 10 caliber in the middleweight division. For all the folks that are always down on Sean Strickland as being a headliner and as being sort of a, a faulty top 10 fighter in this division, it makes sense then that Magomedov is, is a worthwhile play here, is a worthwhile pick here, is a live underdog here. And so I think the guy that has more overall experience and a little bit something more to prove comes out and has a good performance. I think conditioning could be a factor, especially if we get deep. We know Sean Strickland can go 25 minutes at his usual pace. That will be a piece of this that I want to pay close attention to during the fight. But I think Magomedov can maintain his pace and, and go with Sean Strickland. And I think he has opportunities to finish. I think he has weapons that might be able to get Strickland out of there. It's not the power left hook that Alex Pahea dropped him with. But I think there will be some spots where Abbas will be able to get off with good shots and maybe hurt Sean Strickland. We've seen him hurt in the past, even in some of the victories. We'll see if he gets hurt and beaten here on Saturday. Co-main event, Demirish Magulov and Grant Dawson. My pick is Grant Dawson. And a lot of it hinges on the fact that Ishmagulov gave up seven takedowns against Armin Saryukin. Now, Dawson isn't that good of a wrestler. He's not Saryukin as a wrestler, but he's dogged in his pursuit of takedowns. He's a very good control fighter once he gets guys to the ground. He gets around to your back. He stays there. He locks you in. You hang out on the canvas. So I don't think he's necessarily going to need to get seven takedowns. This, to me, could be a fight where he gets one around and controls from there, whether that's very early in the round or whether that's sort of in the second half of the round. As much as Ismagulov told me when I spoke to him for a story that's up on UFC.com, that he brought in some wrestlers from Dagestan to work on that takedown defense and that being 100% healthy and focused is going to certainly show some improvements this time around, it's one of those things for me where I need to see it. Because Grant Dawson is going to come out and try to replicate that blueprint. And he is a good finisher. He's proven himself to be a very good wrestler. I think we undervalue the victories over Jared Gordon and Mark Madsen. I think we sort of undervalue Dawson as a prospect, as a rising potential threat in this division, simply because he doesn't have that explosive dynamic athleticism that we see from the folks that we tend to project to that level this fight is going to tell us if he is there if he is in that mix as a guy to continue to keep an eye on going forward in the lightweight division I think he gets this done I think he gets a victory I think he gets the biggest win of his career and makes a real statement here I don't know that he gets to finish I think there's going to be possibilities he'll certainly be hunting for it he is somebody that chases finishes and works to finish rather than just hanging out but we'll see. I think this is a good fight. I think it's a competitive fight. And I think Grant Dawson gets the job done on Saturday. Walter Wade Bout in the middle of the main card. Max Griffin versus Michael Morales. My pick here, I'm sorry, Max, is Michael Morales. I think this is a competitive fight. But for me, I need to side, or I'm choosing to side, with the younger, more explosive fighter here. Morales has a good reach, good output numbers through two fights. 
And he also has some of that find a way to get you out of there in him. We saw that in the Adam Fugit fight, right? It was a competitive sort of trying to trying to find his spot, find his opening type of fight. And when he got there, he got him out of there. When he found that opening and when he landed the shot, the finishing instincts are great. Kick in, get him out of there. All of that being said, Max Griffin is a grinder and a miserable fighter to deal with for anybody, including the young 24-year-old. I would not be surprised at all if Max Griffin goes out here and gets a victory, if he grinds out sort of a grimy, kind of ugly, lots of work on the fence, little takedowns where he lands some short ground and pound and just kind of roughs up Michael Morales. But overall, in looking at this fight, I just think the length and the explosiveness and the youthfulness, quite frankly, of Michael Morales is going to rule the day, get him a third straight victory, and put him just outside the top 15 as we really get into the back half of the year. Ariane Lipsky and Melissa Gatto in the flyweight division next. My pick here is Gatto. As good as Lipsky looked last time out against J.J. Aldrich, as I talked about this week, my question from Wednesday, from one question of was it real or a mirage, is a big part of the reason why I lean Gatto. I need to see her replicate it before I can really buy into it. Additionally, Gatto can crack a little bit. She can grapple a bunch. It feels to me like a fight between, right now, competitors that I think are a separated by a level. I think Gatto's a little bit ahead of Ariane Lipsky. She's coming off a loss to Tracy Cortez last time out. That is a top 15 fighter, undefeated in the UFC. Not a terrible loss. We've seen Lipsky have terrible losses. She lost to Priscilla Cachuera. That's a terrible loss. I think Gatto has the opportunity to go out here and really show that as good as Lipsky looked last time out, she is a different caliber fighter than JJ Aldrich. Lipsky win isn't impossible. I don't think it's out of the question. And I don't mean that in the like, anybody can win. But I don't necessarily think she is going to be able to outstrike Melissa Gatto and outwork Melissa Gatto for 15 minutes. I think there might be some opportunities for Gatto to finish both on the feet or on the ground from top position once she gets Lipsky hurt. And I think the Brazilian gets back into the win column after suffering the first loss of her career. Lightweights, Ismail Bonfim and Benoit Saint-Denis, the all-violence matchup of the weekend. My pick is Saint-Denis. I think if you look at his stats on ufcstats.com, which is a resource I think everybody should check out from time to time when analyzing these fights, the data is misleading because of his fight with Elise Zaleski Dos Santos. When you look at his strikes absorbed per minute numbers, they're way off the charts, but it's because he took his debut up a division against a former top 15 guy and a guy that's still very much in that second 15 that absolutely put it on him. And a Russian, Russian referee, excuse me, whose name I can't remember, let it continue for eternity. If that fight is stopped when it should have been stopped, one of the many times it should have been stopped, those numbers are different. And if you look at the last two fights since he has moved to lightweight, he's absolutely smashed folks. Dominated Nicholas Stolza, dominated Gabriel Miranda. And I think this is a fight where he's able to show that that wasn't the fluke. That wasn't the outlier. The fight against Dos Santos is more the outlier. It's more the one that you just take and throw away because it's short notice up a division. I talk about this a lot. We've seen this a lot. This is the David Onama 
fighting Mason Jones tough. This is Christian Rodriguez fighting Jonathan Pierce tough. Both went down, looked great in their next couple of fights in their respective natural weight classes. So far the same for St. Denis. He is a big, powerful, durable guy. He can also grapple well. I think the fact that he's a southpaw could be a wrinkle for Ishmael Bonfim. I look forward to Dan Tom putting out his southpaw report so I can get a little bit more information on how Bonfim has done in the past against southpaws. I rely on other people to do some of this work. There's lots going on here. So outsource that to Dan, whether he knows it or not, that is outsourced to Dan. I also think that we, part of the other reason I'm picking St. Denis and, and therefore picking against Bonfim is that I think we overrate Terrence McKinney a little bit. I think he's a good prospect. I think there's upside, but I also think there's some IQ spots that are weak. I think there's some decision-making positions that are weak because we saw that in the Drew Dober fight specifically, right? Had Dober hurt and then just kept going to the same well and couldn't figure out to step back, get set up, get find the right shots. I think because his story is what it is, because the debut against Matt Frivola is what it was. And we like Terrence McKinney, right? He's a good kid. He's on Twitter. He's active. He's a part of the community. He's a invested part of the community. And the way that some of these athletes aren't, we give him a little bit more leash. We give him a little bit more upside. We look at him a little more favorably. And I think conversely, we underrate Benoit Saint-Denis in that same regard for the all of the opposite things, right? He's not a guy that's on Twitter. He's not somebody that we know his big story, even though it is an interesting story. I believe he was in the French military, which is something worth exploring and worth talking about going forward. But I think this is an opportunity for Saint-Denis to go out and get a win that makes people sit up and take notice. And if he does go out and beat Bonfim, it puts him in that second 15 to me in the lightweight division where some bigger opportunities present themselves going forward. Next up, main card opener in the middleweight division, Nursultan Ruzuboov versus Bruno Faheya. My pick here is Ruzuboov. I think Bruno Faheya has Hulk smashed a bunch of dudes that made the ridiculous decision to stand and trade with him. He is a big, strong, powerful dude that likes to throw hands, that clearly has power in those shots. And all of these dudes, including Gregory Rodriguez, just decided to walk across the cage and stand in front of him and say, let's just go and see who goes to sleep first. And it's been the other guy 10 consecutive times. But for the most part, outside of Gregory Rodriguez, and I will give Leon Aliu, who he defeated on the Contender Series, sort of a half mark for being a real guy. It's been a bunch of middling competition. Like, let's just be real about this, right? It's been not quite weekend warriors, but guys that have never risen beyond the regional circuit and never really risen beyond being just good fighters on the regional circuit, right? Card filler guys. Now I'm not knocking Ferreira for taking those fights, but that to me dictates and indicates sort of where they're at in their progression. It makes it difficult for me as an analyst, as somebody breaking down these fights and looking at these fighters to really put a ton of stock in them yet. Now, to be fair, Ruzubov hasn't fought this otherworldly level of competition. But the things I like here, and the reason I'm picking him, 34-8-2 with two no contests overall. 
He's 29 years old and has 46 fights and he's won 34 of them. He is significantly taller. He has a longer reach and he can grapple. And I think he goes out here and just ducks under some big swings, puts this fight on the ground and turns this into a grappling match. The Hensel Gracie Philly team led by Daniel Gracie has a bunch of sick grapplers on it. Sean Brady, Joe Pfeiffer, Pat Sabatini, Andre Petrosky. They are good grapplers. And Ruzabov, to me, profiles as another one. I think this is a fight where, despite it being short notice, despite Fajaya being 10 and 0, 10 stoppages, Ruzabov has won his last eight straight, all by stoppage. Last 10 fights are wins by stop. His last 10 wins, excuse me, are all by stoppage. I think we got a chance for an upset here. We're going to see if it comes through. Move to the prelims. Kevin Lee versus Renat Fakradinov in the welterweight division. My pick here, unsurprisingly to anybody to listen to stuff this week, is Renat Fakradinov. I think Kevin Lee gets out-wrestled here. I think he's too small for welterweight and he doesn't manage his gas tank well. I actually, truthfully, and I say this genuinely, would happily welcome being proven wrong here. Happily, because I still think Kevin Lee has a wealth of talent. I just think he's he's lacking some things in terms of decision-making, in terms of processing, in terms of understanding his place in the division, and in terms of what he's done versus what he thinks he's capable of. He's nearly four years without a win that matters. And I'm not sure he can just go out there and dial it up. Because Renat Fakradinov is 2-0 in the UFC, and we know what the blueprint is. He is going to go in and look for takedowns and look to maul you on the ground. And that's absolutely something I think he's capable of against Kevin Lee. This isn't one of those fights where it's tremendously outsized and, and outmuscled for Kevin Lee. I think size-wise, this is a reasonable matchup. But I just don't know that he goes out there and is able to make the correct decisions. I think we see him throw a kick to the body within the first minute and get run to the ground. That's what I think is going to happen. He's going to go out and throw some kicks and Fakradinov is going to catch one and just get on get on, on those hips and get him to the canvas and then keep him there because he's very good on the ground. There are certainly roads to victory here for Kevin Lee. He's the better athlete. He is the more dynamic fighter. I just need to see him get there before I can pick him. As I said, happily welcome being wrong here. It blows up parlays. It blows up other bets, which I will get to on the betting show later today, but I would be happy to be proven wrong here so that Kevin Lee starts moving forward in the direction towards the places that he thinks he should already be. So let's see. Fakradinov has looked good. Dominated Andreas Mikulidis, dominated Brian Battle. Not an easy out. I think he gets the win, but we'll see on Saturday. featherweight division and I realized that I didn't press mute when I thought I pressed mute so maybe we had all of this muted at one point or another that's going to be interesting to find out when we listen back to the tape featherweight division Joe Anderson Britu and Weston Wilson my pick here is Britu this is a smash job ladies and gentlemen Wilson is 34 has never beaten anyone with 10 or more wins 
and he's just going to get waxed. Like it just is what it is, right? Like let's be, we can be straightforward. We can be honest about this. Weston Wilson is one of these gentlemen that if you have read me in the past, you know, I have advocated for 10 day contracts in the UFC, similar to the NBA where you get signed to the roster for 10 days and the team gets to decide whether they, they want to renew you or not. Usually guys get a second 10 day and then it's either you stick with the team for the rest of the season or they part ways. Weston Wilson should be on one of those in the UFC. You get this opportunity and you got to show us something in order to stick around and get more fights. I do not think he is of this level. I do not think he will win even his second fight, regardless of who it is booked against. I am saying that now on Friday, June 30th, no disrespect to Wilson in terms of like not trying to be harsh, but he's 34 and has never beaten anybody with 10 or more wins. He's not of this level. Joe Anderson Britu goes out, dominates him. And to be fair, I think Britu would have smashed Hussein Ashkabov as well. This man needs a step up in competition. Let's get it for him after this one. Move to featherweight. Still feels weird because it's not a real division in the UFC. Yana Santos versus Karel Hosa. My pick is Hosa. And this is one that I'm just not sure about, right? I have zero confidence in this pick. Every week, there are a couple of these fights where I just feel very, very uncomfortable having to make a pick. But that is the nature of the game. That is what we're here for. That is what you are here for. As long as Hosa is moderately aggressive, I think she can hurt Santos. If she's tepid, if she comes out as she did in the first two rounds against Norma Dumont last time out, this gets interesting. It might be the biggest coin flip fight of the night. This is one of those ones where I can see it going any number of ways. I can see it being entertaining and back and forth. I can see it being very boring and very hard to watch. But all in all, give me the younger fighter. Give me the athlete that looked reasonable in the third round of her last fight. That is that is the best analysis I can offer here. It's not a great fight. We see who gets a victory. We see what happens with the division. I think Hosa should be the better fighter on Saturday, but we shall see. Three more before we get out of here. Goram Kutataladze and Elvis Brenner in the lightweight division. My pick is Kutataladze. I think this should just be a win. Like he's more experienced. He's faced significantly better competition. And this is a huge shift and step up for Brenner. Split decision win over Zubara Tukagov in his debut at UFC 284 in Australia was scheduled to face Jordan Levitt here. Kutataladze is orders of magnitude better than Jordan Levitt with no disrespect to Jordan Levitt, who I think is a good but not great fighter and showing some improvements, right? Showing some opportunity to grow. Very nice win last time out with some knees to the body. Like what we're seeing. But Kutataladze, to me, has already shown that he is a fringe top 15 fighter with the win over Gamrot, with the loss to Ishmagulov. I think he can go out here and dominate. I do think Elvis Brenner can make things interesting as he did against Tukagov. But overall, I think class should win out. Give me the Georgian Viking. Aries FC champ Ivana Petrovic makes her debut against Luana Karolina. And my pick is Petrovic. I'm taking the advice of my guy, Sean Denny. He is an Aries FC follower. He is somebody I rely on for a lot of European intel. Go follow him on Twitter at Denny Rants, D-E-N-N-Y-R-A-N-T-S. I think Southpaw can be tricky here for Luana Carolina. I expect Petrovic to grapple rather than stand with the Brazilian. 
This is another one of those fights where I'm sort of limited in my confidence simply because I have a lack of experience with Petrovic. As I said all week, this is my opportunity to get a first real read on her skills and where she fits. I like the matchup. Listening to my guy, Sean Denny. We'll see what happens here. The pick is Petrovic. We'll see how it turns out. And then in the opener, in the heavyweight division, Alexander Romanov against Blagoy Ivanov. My pick is Ivanov. And I'm honestly genuinely surprised here that Ivanov is the dog. We will touch on that on the betting show. You could be sure of it. Historically, he's beaten these types of fighters and some better ones. Like he's beaten tied to Ivasa. I think that gets lost in the shuffle sometimes. Romanov is very good early and very good at being the hammer. But as soon as we get past about four minutes, he starts waning and the skills start declining and the ability to do good things starts falling off a cliff. This could be an ugly, ugly slog to start the day. I just want to put that out there and make that clear off the hop. It could be gross to start things. It could also be kind of fun because Ivanov is, you know, durable, kind of a juggernaut, just marauds forward. You can't stop him. Doesn't lose by stoppage ever. He just, he gets every second of octagon time out of there. He uses every second available to him. I think he has shown a better ability to win these kinds of fights, to win battles of attrition. And I think Romanov will look good early. And then Ivanov rallies down the stretch, round two, round three, gets himself a victory, and we get out of here. Before we do with this show, as always, check out the QR code. If you are on YouTube, you can just hold your camera, hold your phone up to the screen, scan that code. It will take you to Keyboard Kimura, where you can sign up for free for five bucks a month, for 50 bucks for the year. Any way that you sign up, I greatly appreciate it. It gets you all of my content direct to your inbox the minute I hit publish. For all of those folks that don't know who these athletes are, that want more insight on who these men and women are stepping into the octagon each and every Saturday, I will be your resource. I will give you that information. So please just come to Keyboard Kimura and check us out. Also check out my friends at OneBone, at OneBoneBrand on Twitter and Instagram, OneBoneBrand.com for the web store. Terrific brand, rocking the gear as always. If you do check some stuff out and you get to the checkout line, ESK20 at checkout for 20% off. Let's you know you heard about them from me and that our little partnership, our little working relationship is paying dividends on both sides. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Spencer Kite. Lots of stuff there every week. All the stuff that I put out, do my best to get it up there for you to find it there. Thank you for finding me here. Thank you for watching. If it's on YouTube, thank you for listening. If it's on Substack or wherever you get your podcasts. I will be back later in the day with the second half of the Friday Double Dip, the Keyboard Kimura betting show. Until then, thank you. Appreciate you. Love you. Have a great weekend if I don't see you. And we'll talk to you on Sunday for the next day takeaways. Bye now.